down like a soldier, showing the child how to carry his little saber and imitating the sound of an artillery barrage. Later, when alone with Helene, he put his head in her lap and said, If only I had someone to take care of me. But he could never marry, he told her, because his life was dedicated to his country. I thought he was acting like a little boy, not a lover, and perhaps he was, recalled Helene. It would have been awful if someone had come in. He was taking a chance. He really was. That was the end of it, and I passed it off as if it had simply not happened. Humstengel remained as Hitler's press secretary for years. Like many of those who had helped put Hitler in power, he thought he could stem Hitler's excesses. But by 1936, Martin Bormann's influence over the Fuhrer had gained dominance, and Putzi was reduced to a minor role. For some time, the Führer had been annoyed because Hamstengel called him Herr Hitler instead of Mein Führer and talked to him like an equal. Hamstengel knew he was in danger and told Egon, now fifteen, Things are not well. We all believed in the movement, didn't we? I am still trying to believe in it. But he had found corruption everywhere, and war was coming with England and America. The country is in a foul state internally, I ascribe that mainly to the blackguards who are sitting firmly entrenched behind official desks in Berlin and elsewhere. But Hitler refuses to hear me, and it looked as though the Führer himself had become corrupt. Hamstengel warned his son that his enemies were almost sure to get around to liquidating him sooner or later. Several months later, on February 11, 1937, Putzi's birthday, Hitler ordered him to fly to Spain and protect the interests of German correspondents in Franco's country. Soon after takeoff, the pilot revealed that once over the area between Barcelona and Madrid, Hamstengel would be forced to parachute into the red lines. That would mean death. The sympathetic pilot said nothing more, but soon one of the motors began spluttering. With a meaningful look, he told Hamstengel that they would have to land at a small airfield. Once on the ground, Putzi said he was going to call Berlin for instructions. Instead, he phoned his secretary in Berlin, telling her that his orders had been suddenly changed and he was going to spend his fiftieth birthday with his family in Bavaria. Then he informed the pilot that the Führer had ordered him to return to Ufing. Instead, he took a night train to Munich and a morning train that took him to freedom in Zurich. The revelations in this reprint of Hanstengel's classic memoir will enrich the reader's understanding of Hitler, the twentieth-century Napoleon. Some historians have dismissed Hanstengel as a mountebank, but with all his quirks, he was one of the few people who ever stood up to the Führer and then lived to write about it in fascinating detail. John Toland Foreword to the Original Edition The final impulse that led to the compilation and publication of these memoirs I owe to Mr. Brian Connell. We met some years ago, and he, while writing his own books, never lost sight of the story he thought I could tell. He came to Germany again in 1956 and discussed in detail a scheme of collaboration to which I agreed. Our method was this. Mr. Connell spent two months in Bavaria, and every day, for hours on end, he took tape recordings of my discourse. His imagination and enthusiasm as an interrogator succeeded in overcoming my reluctance to dive into the sour memory of those desperate years. 
From these recordings and from previously compiled material of my own, he then prepared a draft manuscript, which resulted, after joint revision, in the present text. The burden of transcribing my roving reminiscences fell upon poor Mrs. Connell, to whom I therefore owe a large measure of gratitude. I am no less indebted to my own wife, Renata, for her active help with the secretarial chores and for patiently putting up with the unending domestic upheavals that always go together with literary labours. The story, of course, and the responsibility for it are mine, but full credit must go to Mr. Connell for having devised a relatively painless method of reducing speech to print and for having filtered out unnecessary detail. Finally, I want to pay tribute to those without whom there would have been no story, to my friends and comrades of those years, many of them no longer alive, who stuck by me, who hoped, worked, and took risks, only to be cruelly disappointed.